Bienvenidos and welcome everyone. I am Lauren Hutton and you probably already knew that. Welcome to Lauren's podcast. I hope you're swimming flush with a whole batch of $1,200. Yeah, stimulus checks abound. Hopefully you got yours. I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm rubbing in the fact that the government has not given you the money that you're going to have to pay back next year. Maybe maybe that's being optimistic. Maybe maybe the whole government will get shut down. Maybe maybe a murder hornet will sting someone with coronavirus and create a zombie plague. I saw it on a meme. It has to be true. That's possible, right? Right? That that that's a thing that could happen in the world of of things and and happenings right isn't it possible don't you dare to dream am i am i talking out of my butt yet yeah i am hey how's everybody doing how's it going is are things good why do i treat this like it's a conversation every time that i open up i miss talking to people the only I, I talk to people at work. I, I, I talk to uh, I talk to my neighbor. Sometimes against my will. I was I was an innocent bystander. I was just trying to take out the trash, and then he stops me dead in my tracks. Hey, where's your car? Like he doesn't know that I'm an idiot, and I left my keys in inside my boss's vehicle. I'm an idiot, but I'm a nice guy because my boss was like, yeah, I'll bring those back to you right now. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. I'll bother my girlfriend and make her leave the house 45 minutes earlier than she normally would just so that she can drive me to work and then turn around and head right back the other direction so that she can get to work on time. That's right. I'm going to get to work a whole 30 minutes early, which means I'm going to drink way too much coffee and be way too amped up. And then I'm going to crash at 11 a.m. You know how it goes. Get them coffee jitters. You feel like you're going to poop yourself. Is that just me? Anybody else like, you know, love the the inner workings of a good, honest to God diuretic? That's not what diuretic means. Leah reminds me of that every time I misuse that word. Diuretic does not mean you're going to poop yourself. I think it just means it dehydrates you. I could be wrong. I often am. I'm wrong all the time. I was wrong uh, about something that made me super anxious. I woke up at three in the morning. Now, did I wake up because I was anxious or did I wake up because I drank too much whiskey and I didn't drink enough water and then my brain was like, you know, wanting to crawl out of my own skull? I don't know. I mean, either way, I I sat on the edge of my bed for most of the remainder of the morning. Just 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 stressing, just wondering what's going to happen. What's gonna be? I'm I'm so ready for the world to open back up, man. Like I'm I'm ready for it. I I want I have a problem with like desiring instant gratification. So I just want I want everything to be fine and I want everything to be fine right now. Get it fixed, get it figured out. Let me go to these stupid dive bars and tell crappy jokes into a microphone that's not being sanitized afterwards. I miss it so much. Oh, I feel like the comedy part of my brain is just atrophying. It's just dying. I don't know, I don't know what lobe that's in, but oh man, mine's turning into a raisin real hard. 
I don't even make the dad jokes anymore. I it just, I don't know, whatever part of my brain that thought it was funny and was motivated to like, you know, keep snapping out them witty quips. It just doesn't anymore. It just don't, it don't do nothing. It don't do nothing except stress about what's going on at work and stress about whether or not I'm going to give somebody coronavirus because I don't know if I have it. <sighs> I'm scared to go into gas stations now. It started with Kroger because I'd walk around and just, you know, I'd hold my breath as I walk past people. Why are you looking at me weird? What did I say that made you look at me strange? No comment? No nothing? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Leah's not here. She's a figment of my imagination. She's a stress-induced hallucination. Have I even had a girlfriend for the last four years? Did I get this mortgage? I think not. If, if there's ever a logical argument that she's real, it's definitely that I couldn't afford this place on my own. There's either a mountain of unpaid bills hidden in this house somewhere, or she's a real entity. I'm going to go with the former. No, no, no. You don't have to get up and run away, honey. It's fine. I won't even ask you to like talk into the microphone. Oh, I see. The cats are making a bunch of noise, and you're trying to be considerate of the recording. It's not like no one's heard Nermal making that weird sound on any other episodes. It happens frequently and without warning. I don't even try and stop it anymore. You don't have to go. It's fine. Seriously. The cats will make noise. It's part of the show now. Why are you ruining it? It's, the, it's, my, it's one of my favorite segments. It's called Nermal Moaning. That's what he does. He picks up a toy and he comes trotting over to you with it in his mouth. And he just... He loves to play that game at two in the morning. Maybe that's why I woke up at three. Maybe it wasn't, you know, the whiskey giving me a headache or the anxiety giving me giving me heart palpitations. Maybe it was just my cat. I love you, Nermal. You're a wonderful nuisance. Everybody loves Nermal, man. Anybody that has ever come over to my house, he's immediately all up in their business like, love me. No one has ever touched my fur before. Please pet me behind my ears. Oh, you're going to pick me up even better. No, no, I want down. That's his, that's his normal, you know, track pattern. That's what he, that's his, that's the logic that he goes through. He wants to be touched. He wants to be picked up. And then he wants to be let back down. And then he wants to start the cycle over. Like he doesn't have a memory. Sometimes we relate him to a dog because he, he barks at mailmen. He tries to, he just does dog things, but I don't know. Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe he's a goldfish trapped in a fish's body. Are we not letting you live your best life, Nermal? Nah, you're definitely not a goldfish. I don't know anybody that scratches their goldfish behind the ears. Do fish have ears? Maybe that's something we'll dig into on Lauren, Lauren's Learning Corner one day. Do fish have ears? No. Well, that was easy. I'm not sure. Look Look it up and let me know in the comments below. Do fish have ears? I mean, if they don't have ears, how do they talk to each other? See? No one has any answers. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with my life. I got I got real worked up about something this week and it was it was something you know you ever have a situation where you get real worked up you're real anxious about something and 
literally all you have to do is ask a simple and direct question, and then they'll give you a, a, a concise answer to either put your mind at ease or confirm your anxieties in the first place. Is, is it because we're like afraid to just ask a question that might have a negative response? Like, oh, Lord, please do not tell me the things that I'm already thinking because I don't want them to be true. And if I ask you, then then you're just going to tell me that it's true. And then I'm going to know that I'm a piece of shit. Sorry, mom. There we go. There's the first one. We almost made it 10 whole minutes. How are you doing, mom? I haven't spoken to you in a hot minute. I mean, we had that wonderful text conversation that was probably more back and forth than we've had in, in months. It was nice. I gave her my new phone number. I got a new phone. That's right. I upgraded from an iPhone 6 to an iPhone 11, and I feel like a brand new human being. I got no buttons on the front of my camera. My camera. It may as well be a camera. That's basically all it does anymore. Contour lighting selfie modes, wide camera angles. These are things that I didn't know I missed in my life. I took a selfie uh, while I was taking a dump, and uh, that that's a level of multitasking that I think everyone can achieve. Never sell yourself short. Everyone can multitask because everyone can take a bathroom selfie while you're evacuating your bowels. It's super easy. All you have to do is relax and look at your phone i mean take it one step further you don't even have to take a picture are you scrolling facebook while you're dropping a deuce you're a multitasker put it on your resume just hope to god they don't ask why you put that on your resume oh i see here that you uh you're uh you're an avid multitasker can you can you explain that can you expound on that a little bit uh why yes i can i recently bought an iphone 11 and now i know how to take pictures of myself that make it appear like i have flawless skin while i'm duking i don't know i would i would probably hire that person if they had the absolute just sheer brute force honesty to do that and say that in a job interview, I would hire them just just so that I could tell that story at the work, uh, you know, the company party, you know, a year after they've been hired. We've all had a couple of drinks and it was like, you remember, Daryl, I interviewed that guy and he told me he was a multitasker because he likes to play with his phone while he's pooping. Oh, and then we'd all have a good laugh. And then we would, you know, tear that Dave and Buster's to pieces. We've been we've been hiring a lot of people at work, and I'm I'm part of the people that are interviewing folks. And that's a real I mean, interviewing people is a weird thing to do under, you know, quarantine and social distancing. I don't know. Things are starting to open back up. Maybe all this will be over in a few weeks. Maybe we'll all be dead in a month. I don't know. I don't have any answers. But what I do know is that if you have picked a time to talk to an employer through a window in a computer that you keep in your pocket, take two seconds and put a freaking shirt on. This guy answers the Zoom interview topless. Why? In what universe do you think that's professional attire? Like, what job do you think? This isn't Chippendales. I don't want the first thing that I see when I get on Zoom to be some dude's nipple. That's what he greeted me with. 
It was bizarre. I mean, first, everything was black. Like, he didn't even turn the lights on before he turned his camera on. That was weird. And then the grand reveal as he turned on his bedside lamp. That's right. He was in bed. Didn't even even have the decency to get up in a proper chair and look at me like he's starring in a movie that's being filmed in the Playboy Mansion. Nope. He was just laying in bed topless like he was in a Brazers video. Oh, man. It was so weird. I was caught completely off guard. I didn't know how to handle that situation at all. Part of me just wanted to be like, all right, well, thank you for your time and your nipple. You you have a good life, sir. But I, I was flabbergasted. I ended up just going through the motions of the interview like a trauma victim. I just went on full autopilot. It was like, oh, and how do you how do you describe your customer service and uh, comprehension skills? And I'm just like, man, why don't you have a shirt on? One of the weirdest experiences of my life. So. What have we learned so far? (laughs) Uh, A, nothing you put on a resume matters as long as you can explain what it is. And uh, don't come to an interview naked. Well, I mean, like I said, I'm sure there's interviews that showing up naked will uh, automatically get you the role. The role? The job? The gig? I don't know. I've I've never done an audition. Uh, but I've interviewed for a lot of jobs because I've had a lot of jobs and it has never occurred to me that you could just show up half naked. Just roll the dice. See what happens. A lot of people out there are without work right now. And when things start, you know, completely opening back up and you may be reapplying for jobs because you're tired of sitting around your house and it's time to get back to work. You know, just, just take a, take a dumb job that you, you you know, you don't care about and you don't really want to get and just see how far you can push that envelope with the interview. See if you can get yourself dismissed immediately. You might be surprised. Maybe that's what this guy was doing. He thought, you know, I'll just, I'll do this weird zoom interview and pretend like I don't give a crap about it at all and see just how many questions this guy asked me. I went through all of the questions. I asked him what days he wanted to work. I asked if he was okay with working weekends. Why would I do such a thing? Because he won. He won the interview. He didn't win the job, but he won the interview. I was completely taken off guard, went on autopilot, went through the entire interview process with this dude. I could have ended it at any moment, and that would have been a perfectly reasonable thing for me to do. But you can't match completely unreasonable actions with a reasonable action. That's that's an inverted balance. That's an improper fraction. You can't do it. And so he did something unreasonable, and I did something equally unreasonable. I went through the whole interview process with him. Oh, boy. Being a responsible adult with a real big boy job is so, it's so weird for me. I mean, up until I started working at this place, the only thing that I really cared about was if I had any more cereal to eat and if I was going to be a comedian one day. And then I started doing comedy and I was like, okay, well, I'm a comedian. I'm a crappy comedian with zero credits. I'm still a quote unquote open micer, but I'm a comedian. I get up on stage to tell jokes. That's that's the whole thing, right? And now, now I have a job that I actually care about. I give two shits. And I play with my phone while I do it. Sorry, Mom. Sorry to all of you. That was a really weird and dumb joke. See what I mean? The comedy part of my brain. It's turning into a raisin. 
Uh, it's a muscle. You got you to gotta work it out. You got to do the work. You got to sit down and write every single day. And I used to just barely squeak by by getting on stage semi-regularly just to keep just to keep going, keep the motion in the ocean a-flowing. And now I, I don't even have that. And I can't I can't do I think I can't do comedy over Zoom. I can't I can't try to pretend like I'm actually trying to be funny on Instagram live. It feels so dumb to me. More power to you and everybody out there that's doing it. I mean, your work ethic is far beyond anything that I will ever exude in my life. But I mean, there's other things that might might be on the horizon that might be good and be be awesome. I'm seeing people post about actually organizing a drive-in comedy show. Oh, man, that sounds cool to me. I don't know how fun it would be to perform at such a thing because, I, I mean, you're going to have to make these fuckers laugh really loud. Sorry, Mom. To hear them through the insulation in their car. I mean, what are we going to do? We just, we, we're going to try and look real hard through all the windshields to see if anybody's smiling at us. Oh, I got an open mouth, an open mouth laugh there in the third row. I must be killing right now. Hey, man, all it takes is an FM transmitter and a dream. I saw it on a Facebook comment. And it must be true. Yeah, the whole landscape of everything is going to be very strange, even when things do like actually start rolling out and being good. Imagine, imagine being at a comedy show where instead of being smashed shoulder to shoulder with everyone in the room, you're, you're six feet apart from any other human being. All of them are wearing masks. How is, how is that even going to be fun? I don't know. I probably won't have the opportunity to do it if we're being realistic and honest. You got restaurants out there that are putting mannequins up in their dining room just to, to make things less awkward for like, you know, the few the few real people that are in there. Their goal is to make things less awkward, but I don't I don't see that being less awkward. I mean, unless you have a weird mannequin fetish, shout out to Dan Harmon. I don't see eating at, at Fazoli's. Are those even open anymore? I don't see you, you know, crashing into the Applebee's that you've been demanding to be open and you getting your horrific baby back rib combo platter. Are you going to enjoy it at all? If you're sitting next to the same mannequin that was giving you the dead eye stare at, at Macy's a week before. Oh, look, it's wearing the same outfit that I bought because I thought it looked good on the mannequin. We have the same outfit on. One of us has to go home and change. Is that a thing? Do people still get upset about that if you have like the same outfit on? I don't. I've never been in that situation, but I've also not been like a girl at prom, so I don't, I don't even know how to relate. <sighs> I think the best thing that any one of us can do right now is either A... Assume that all of this is a hallucination or B, learn to manage our expectations. That's right. All of this had a point. All of this is coming full circle to the original idea that I wanted to dig into today. Manage your expectations. Don't get yourself all worked up over something that can be solved very simply with a simple and direct question. Also, don't get yourself so excited about something that if you do get a negative response to that simple and direct question, that your entire world deflates and you start writing weirdly poetic lines instead of jokes. 
I haven't written a joke in over four months, but I did jot down the idea that I wanted to be the light in everyone's storm because my boat keeps capsizing. What what am I? What who comes up with lines like that? I tweeted it. I felt good about it. It sounded wonderfully poetic and beautifully sad. It's not funny, but it's a thing that I wrote. Maybe that's what I'll do now. I'll write I'll write depressing comments to put on mugs and I'll sell them on Etsy. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm going to take that one. I'm going to try and get word porn to steal it. That'll be fun. I can, they can put it on a sweater and sell it to, to emo people. They'll buy a sweater that's three times too big and something. I don't know. But yeah, back to what I was the, the managing of the expectations. You got you to gotta learn to do that. Otherwise, you're going to constantly be in these weird states of elation followed by horrific crashes of depression. Manage your expectations. Figure out how to not put yourself in those extreme emotional situations. And uh, yeah, that's right. I even I even did I did a little research, did a little digging, found uh, found a fun little article all about you know managing your expectations. And that's what we're gonna talk about this week in Lauren's Learning Corner. The article that I found is on mindful.org, which that website already makes me, I don't know, the hippy-dippy part of my brain is just like oozing serotonin right now. This article was written by a guy named George Pitagorsky, Pitagorsky, uh, George P. And he writes, every day at work, at home, even on vacation, we deal with expectations, our own expectations and those of the people around us. Yeah, no duh. Expectations or beliefs we have about something as it will be in the future. The project will be done on this date. The teenaged kids will wash the dishes or 10 miles is a reasonable distance to kayak in one day. I mean, 10 miles doesn't sound like that much. You're in a boat. How hard could it be? Now, sometimes expectations are based on accurate information and negotiated agreements. Often, though, they are not. Even if the original expectation was carefully negotiated, situations can change. What happens when expectations aren't met, when the project isn't done, or the kayak day stretches to 15 miles? Well, if you look, if you already thought that 10 miles was a reasonable amount to kayak, why are you stretching that into 15? Did you eat an extra power bar that day? I don't understand this guy's analogies. George, get your life together. People become attached to their expectations. They can be very disappointed when their expectations are not met. Unmet expectations can lead to disappointment, anger, and other disruptive feelings. If you're furious about the project delay when you walk into a meeting with your team that is behind schedule, at best, your ability to think clearly about how to move forward will be impaired. At worst, you may say something you regret or lose self-control oh man it's like he's writing this right into my brain now how can mindfulness help manage expectations mindfulness is purposefully paying attention with a mirror-like quality of mind the mirror simply reflects it is objective what is reflected does not change in the mirror 
I disagree because when I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning and I looked at myself in the mirror after having like four too many whiskey drinks last night after we reading a terrible work here meal that <sighs> I looked fat in the mirror. That's what I'm trying to say. I didn't recognize myself. I was so bloated. I couldn't even see my chin. Any hoozle. Everyone is mindful to a degree. It is the ability to simply see or sense things as they are. It is attention to your physical sensations, thoughts, mental concepts, and feelings when you are climbing a ladder, walking down the street, driving a car, or writing an email. Get out of my brain, George! Now, in my new book, Managing Expectations, A Mindful Approach to Achieving Success... I highlight the critical importance of communication and relationship, the nuts and bolts processes of expectations management, and of not only recognizing your own feelings, but also how to react, also how others react to you and the situation. The essence of mindfulness runs through all of these facets of making progress on just about anything. It's especially needed in the realm of work. Now, mindfulness is the quality of doing without attention. Our habits and biases drive our decisions and behavior. We're all familiar with this experience. We drive somewhere with no memory of how we got there. We space out for an hour lost in thought about what we could have or should have done in some situations. We make decisions based on unconscious or unskillful beliefs and concepts. We react from negative emotions. Mindfulness enables choice. The opportunity to act instead of react. The good news is no matter what your age or how in how deeply ingrained your habits, mindfulness can cultivate uh, and it can be improved. Now, two ways to use mindfulness as a tool for managing expectations. Number one, uncover the barriers to setting healthy expectations. People want what they want when they want it. This wanting often clouds and closes the mind to rational thought. So we are inclined. <laughs> I read good. We are inclined to. We are inclined to lack mindfulness when setting expectations at the onset of a project when it matters most. We become too ambitious and we move ahead with unrealistic expectations that are destined to leave us disappointed and create conflict. Mindfulness here can help prevent issues from bubbling up later when it is much more difficult to address them. Now, he has this written in bold. It says, mindful practice. When starting something, make sure expectations are reasonable. Think the project through to the end, including all of the details. Communicating clearly so everyone's expectations are aligned. Being mindful now at the beginning of something will ensure a smoother flow toward its conclusion and will increase the likelihood of success. That's how I'm reading everything in bolder italics from now on. Oh, that was fun. Number two, navigate unmet expectations and changing expectations. Things change. That's the nature of reality. Sometimes an unexpected circumstance will come along to shift the scope of your project, and expectations will need to be adjusted. When this happens, you have a choice. React emotionally with anger and resistance, or apply mindfulness, pause, and consider your options before making a decision about how to best proceed. Don't just pivot in a new direction. Make sure those around you who are involved are clear that the original expectations may no longer be a possibility. 
mindful practice. When the unexpected occurs, take a pause and breathe. Don't just pivot in a new direction. Make sure those around you who are involved are clear. I already read that. Super nifty. Consciously noting your frustration allows you to accept it and respond rather than react. With mindfulness of your feelings, you can calm yourself down and start problem solving about how to handle the implication and manage expectations accordingly. I think I've talked about mindfulness before on this podcast. Uh, it's it's a super nifty tool, apparently. You know, just just having. Oh, sorry, I I forgot to say that's going to wrap up Lauren's learning corner. Yeah, mindfulness. It 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 just apparently it's the best way to like function as a person, as opposed to just being at the the literally at the mercy of your own reactions just you know take a second breathe clock how you're feeling and then and then you know act instead of react i don't know why i just he he said all of that in a much more concise manner way to go george thank you for your article thank you for your time that was written like seventeen thousand years ago Maybe if I keep harping about the same things that I want to change in myself through this podcast, I'll eventually become a better person. Or maybe it'll help you become a better person. Maybe you'll take all of the things that I'm preaching and actually apply it to your life instead of doing a podcast about it at 10 p.m. on a Thursday and then forgetting about it until you happen to read an article that basically reiterates all of the same things that you already talked about 17 episodes ago. I don't know how you handle like, you know, life development and and trying to be a better person, trying to get better. Oh man. That's right. When I first started this, I was ta- I was all about trying to be a better person, trying to become a better person. And and now I just I I I I drink a lot. <laughs> oh, maybe that's the end road of all, you know, self-improvement is you just you give up and you get fat on alcohol. I've gained like 15 pounds just from whiskey alone. There's a lot of sugar in that. Did you know Did you know that there's a lot of sugar in whiskey? Maybe that's why I like it so much. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what any of this is supposed to be. Uh, but I hope you're still enjoying it, you know. I I I I think the podcast is slowly getting worse just because I think that like I said my own brain is atrophying. I used to come up with like cool, energetic, fun ideas and I would I would dig into things and discuss stuff and maybe I do need another person to like bounce ideas off of. Uh, what do you think, honey? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my god, she didn't just make a sound. That was like an actual response. We're making progress. <laughs> I tell you what, in five years, I might actually be able to do a whole episode interviewing her about her life and how she has to constantly tell me to shut the refrigerator. We threw out a lot of food recently, Uh, as in today, because I woke up at 3 a.m. and went to get water to help my whiskey headache and just didn't shut the fridge. Goodbye, potato salad. You're not good anymore. Get out of here, bucket of mayonnaise and starch. Yeah, I it's that's not the first time that that's happened. But it's the first time that I've done it in our main refrigerator and not the secondary refrigerator that we keep in the garage. 
Oh, man. You ever just throw out a statement and realize like, oh, boy, I am privileged talking about the secondary refrigerator. There are people out there that have to cool things with the river. I don't know if that actually happens, but I read it in a book when I was a child. Y'all remember the boxcar kids? Yeah, yeah. It was like a bunch of orphans living in a boxcar out in the woods. They kept their milk cold by sticking it in the creek. It was weird, and it didn't make any sense to me then, and it still doesn't make any sense to me now. I mean, I get it. You know, the creek's cold or whatever, but not like keep your milk cold cold. I don't know. I like I like a nice ice cold milk. I don't like to put ice in my milk. People that do that are psychopaths. I mean, how are you going to order skim milk and then put ice in it? Just drink water and add some white. Like, that's all you're doing. Okay, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why I'm angry about people and their milk choices. Your dairy is between you and your colon. I have no dog in that race. But, you know, I okay, here's, here's a fun thing. This is another. I, this came out of nowhere, but... Well, not really. We're talking about health and wellness and all that fun stuff. I hate when people are like in their 40s talking about how they're in the best shape of their life. You are a liar. When you're in your 40s and you suddenly get super healthy because you start jogging and doing yoga and whatever, you are not in the best shape of your life. You know why? Because you used to be 22. What happened was, is in your late 20s, your metabolism went to shit. Sorry, mom. That's not a direct stick at you. I'm just apologizing for cursing. And then all of a sudden, you hit your 40s, and you're like, oh, boy, I'm becoming quite rotund. I should turn my life around. And so it's the best that you can remember feeling because you've already forgotten what it was like to be a child because you're middle-aged. You're not in the best shape of your life. You're in the best shape that you can remember. Because you spent 10 years being a fat ass, just gobbling down whiskey and cereal and Snickers bars. Oh, that I might be talking about myself. I might be dreading turning 40. <laughs> I would like to get, you know, I'd like to get in, in the best shape I can remember right now. I don't want to wait another 10 years because on the track that I'm going, like my heart's going to explode, man. It is. I smoke too much. I drink too much. I eat too much. I got a history of heart problems in, in my family. My grandfather on my dad's side just up and died in his sleep while reading a book. Just had a heart attack. Nope. No more grandpa. I mean, that happened before I was even born. My dad was only 15 years old, and he woke up to his mom hitting him in the chest saying, wake up. Your dad's dead. She was kind of an intense woman. She was from Georgia. They're like that down there. If you have, if I have any listeners in Georgia, let me know. Are all the all the Georgian ladies that intense, just banging people awake? But yeah, I got I got heart problems in my family. I also have a history of mental illness because all the women on my mother's side are insane. I don't mean that like I'm not trying to be negligent toward like you know the plight of calling a woman crazy for being a woman. That happens way too often, and I get it. You know, it's not fair to you just because a bunch of patriarchal men decided you're nuts because they didn't want to listen to your emotional problems or whatever you're going through. No, that's an unfair bias. 
but there's a weird thing that happens to the women on my mom's side of the family that after they turn 60 or 55, somewhere in there, they get real weird, okay? My great aunt Dada, that's right, we called her Dada because her name was Madonna, and she wouldn't let any person into her house. I'm serious. It would be the middle of July and everyone that would go over to visit her because we'd have to go see family for some god awful reason. We'd be sitting out in the garage sweating our tits off. There'd be a TV on in there. She'd offer cold drinks and then no one was allowed in the house and the AC would be going full blast. I don't understand this woman. Shout out to Aunt Dada. Oh, man. Yeah, she... She is my great aunt. I wonder if she's still alive. Probably not because she spent her whole life sweating in the garage with the AC on in the house. These are not the actions of a sane person. Same thing happened to my grandma. She was one of the most stern people that I've ever met. Like I was genuinely afraid of her as a child. And then all of a sudden after my grandpa died, she's the one that, you know, when we're doing Mad Libs at Thanksgiving and somebody calls out for a body part, she's the first one to say, ah, the butt, and then giggle herself stupid. Now, how do you just pull that 180 out of nowhere to be like, you know, the stern older woman, strong, independent, Kentucky bred lady to ah, the butt? I don't know how it happens, but I'm scared to death to see like how my mom turns out in the next 10 years. Sorry, mom. I love you. You're not crazy yet. Also, don't let grandma listen to this. I don't know who all you've shared it with, uh, but just don't. Just, oh, man. Uh, Joyce don't need to know these honest and raw opinions. Ah. Uh. I've often flirted with the idea of like taking certain family members and just interviewing them. I don't know if you guys would find that interesting, but like, oh, Jesus, I got to find some excuse to bond with my family. Am I right? Turn it into content. I'm a terrible person, but no, I really would like to interview like my mom, my uncle Ron, mainly because my uncle Ronnie's like, he's, he's one of the people that like I looked up to as a kid for being funny used to sit around in circles at like you know church potlucks and him and his friends would do impressions and voices and 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 the, they were doing impressions of people i'd never heard of because i was nine and i didn't know what a gomer pile was but i thought it was cool that he could just like snap and turn into a different person for a second not just with his voice but with facial features too he's all he was also one of the good looking ones in the family everyone told me that i looked like him growing up I mean, mainly my great grandma, who was super senile and uh, thought I really was Ronnie at nine years old, but not just her other ones, too. You know, my my mom used to call me Ronnie. That's right. My mom would get a little confused. And whenever she'd want to yell at me or, or if she like had a thought that struck her too fast, she would call me by her little brother's name. I understand mixing up like kids names. My sister's name is Liz. My name is Lauren. Those both start with L's. I can understand that flip-flop. But so frequently, she would look at me and say, Ronnie, Lord, uh, you, you, come and do a thing. Sorry, Mom. We're getting, we're getting real honest about family problems right now. I, I didn't mean for this to go anywhere. But as I said in the beginning, manage your expectations. 
if you came to this podcast hoping like, all right, well, this will be this will be good. He's got like a Lauren's learning corner. I might actually I might actually expand my brain a little bit. Nope, just more narcissistic rants about me and mine. Yeah, that's that's about it. That's all I got this week. I almost I almost just like was like, nah, don't do an episode. It's fine. <laughs> uh, all that tells you is I'm I'm perfectly fine with leaving twelve people left wanting. <laughs> but with that being said, I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much for listening. Can you hear me selling my soul for the sake of entertainment? Love me. All right, that's all I got. Bye. Hey, 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 I forgot. I forgot a thing. All right, just hold on. Just chill. All right, this is okay. This is the post credit scene. All right, this is the the after information. I don't do this. I don't do this a lot, but I'm asking. All right. If you listened to this episode, do me a favor. All right. Can we get the music? Can we just shut the music off? Shut it off. Listen, do me a favor. Tell a friend about the show. That's all I'm asking you to do. Tell a friend about the show. And if you're feeling extra froggy and you want bonus points and extra credit, tell a friend about the show and go to iTunes and and leave a review. All you got to do is type in. I don't even care if you type in nonsense. Just leave a review. Rate the show. It helps. Might get might get, you know, a little boost in that algorithmic nonsense. Post on Facebook about it. Drop a line on Instagram. Tag me at Lauren's podcast. Do it. I mean, I'm not going to give you anything in return, but you'll have the the satisfaction of knowing that you helped uh, a struggling podcast that you hopefully like and want to continue listening to. Because let's, I mean, let's be honest. If I don't, if I don't get constant clicks and gratification, then I this this will just be another dead podcast in a long line of corpses that I've left behind in my wake of creativity. All right, that's all I want to say. Y'all, y'all are great. As long as you do what I just said.